Welcome to The Nest Podcast, a place where we have down-to-earth, uplifting conversations about women's health, healing, our inherent feminine wisdom, and the magic that happens when we decide to be the hero of our life and not the victim of it. Here we'll explore a wide range of topics, from holistic nutrition and metabolic health to balancing your hormones, to mind-body medicine and how intuition, spirituality, and consciousness are revolutionizing health and healing. On this episode, I'm joined by Cassandra Strunk, a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and mom of four who helps women find true health and resiliency throughout motherhood. Cassandra shares her story of awakening to her personal power through a series of life-altering events. After losing herself amid isolation, depression, and almost ending up in jail, Cassandra tells the story of how she decided to become the hero of her life, awaken the warrior within, and rise from the ashes. So sit back, open your heart and mind, and get ready for a dose of inspiration to motivate you on your healing journey. Let's dive in. Hi, Cassandra. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so happy you're here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. You know, for those listening, Cassandra and I met each other just recently, just in November yeah of 2022 and we met at an event that Dr. Tina was hosting and we're in a mastermind together and when I was thinking about you know this season of of the Nest podcast and conversations that I wanted to have I knew I wanted to have you on to have a conversation about motherhood and this idea of conscious mothering and yeah we have a lot in common <laughs> around I think that so. um, yeah But also, I just really, you know, briefly chatting with you about your story, I knew that it would be really powerful to share. So without further ado, let's dive in. And to kick us off, Cassandra, if you could please tell the listeners a little bit more about you and your story. Yeah, I'm a mom. I'm a mom of four kids. And it has been the most uh, amazing healing journey and growth journey along the way, but I will say it's not, it's not for wimps. It's for people who are (laughs) ready to look at themselves in the mirror and really, um, use some experiences for growth. Um, but yeah, so I got married really early. I was only 23 years old. I met my husband when I was 19, we were totally in love and we knew nothing about the world together. And it was, it was such a beautiful time in my life. It was that there were so many possibilities. I was just so excited. We were so in love and it was just a beautiful thing. We got married. I'm working. We were married for, I think about five years before we started having kids, which was great for us. We were adventuring. I was a massage therapist at the time and an Ayurvedic practitioner. And so I was living a really creative and fun life where I was really in tune with my body and expressing myself (laughs) creatively, you know, really, really feeling like I could express myself and and knew who I was in a a really nice way for my twenties. And then things started to change. And I think every parent can relate to the fact that when you start having children, it is such a game changer. Everything, the way you perceive the world around you is completely different. And this love that you have now, I've heard it said that when you become a parent, it's like having your heart on the outside of your body, right? I was just going to say that's, yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. So true. And it's a, it's beautiful experience. But like I said, it it can be very challenging too. And I think most parents or most moms struggle as I did with trying to find your identity and trying to navigate this new life that you find yourself in. I don't think you can ever really prepare to become a mom. You just kind of got to jump into it and learn as you go. Right. Yeah, totally. So I got pregnant with my first, I was 27 years old and I got really, really sick. I had a hyperemesis gravidarum, which is where it's just excessive vomiting. And it's morning sickness that just never goes away. It's not just in the morning. It's not just in the first trimester. It's just kind of another level of nausea, which is it really consumes and takes over your life. I found myself um, just living moment to moment, trying to deal with the nausea, just trying to keep food down and fluids down. 
um, during that pregnancy. And I think that was the point where I honestly started to lose myself because I was once this vibrant person who had all of these beautiful hopes and, and dreams. And that included being a mom, but it became a survival situation where I was more focused on just making it through each moment. If you've, and I know a lot of people have had, you know, this experience with pregnancy, but if you haven't, it's, you get to a point where it's almost like, will I ever feel not nauseous again? It's hard to imagine a future where it's not part of it anymore. I had, um, I didn't have hypermesis gravatum. Like it wasn't so intense, but I remember I had really bad morning sickness for a good month and a half with Odin. And I remember it just took over my life because it wasn't in the morning. It was all day long, all day. And, you know, there were things that would relieve it slightly, but yeah. So I couldn't imagine having it worse (laughs) than that and having it for several months. Did you have it your entire pregnancy? I did. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. It, I did. Yeah. It just never went away. And then on top of that, I developed um, gestational diabetes. Oh, and wow. so navigating food during that time was difficult because I was trying to make sure that my blood sugars were stable and that I was yeah. staying calm in order to keep them stable. Right. But really difficult to do when you're having a hard time, just keeping things in. And so I think that's where a really unhealthy relationship with food kind of began Hmm. and continued out for a few years after that. When I had, that was with the first pregnancy. That was with my first pregnancy. Yeah. And that was back in 2012. Yeah. And then had him, he was a boy, his name's Ben. He's amazing. And becoming a mother is what a wild ride. (laughs) He really did change me. He really did. And we became pregnant again very soon afterwards. <laughs> so I think he was five or six months old when I found out I was pregnant again. And oh, wow. And then the oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's like Irish twins, right? Isn't that what they call yeah. that? Irish twins <laughs> when you have two babies like like that close back to back. Yeah. Like within a year. <laughs> yeah, it is. And you know, to this day, they're like, they're great friends. They're very, very close, but they're also, you know, brother and sister. And so they have, you have, it's a really interesting relationship where they're kind of like twins, but also just their own, you know, yeah. different differences. But so I got sick again with that second one, totally sick in and out of the hospital, oh, wow. just same, same, same thing, just in a completely dark place. I could not leave the house because just movement would often make my stomach just absolutely churn. And so just can I just say something for a second? So this like, just for those listening who've never experienced this, it's like, it goes beyond just feeling nauseous and feeling like yucky and not wanting to eat. Like this is literally like vomiting and like worrying about hydration and like mineral levels you know, like electrolyte levels and whether or not the fetus will continue to thrive. Like, because it's one thing to, you know, it's one thing to eat and feel kind of yucky. And like, for me, pad thai and anything salty and fatty made me feel great. (laughs) So it wasn't an issue of like not getting food in my body. It was just, I was like, yeah, but for you, it was literally an issue of sustenance and staying alive and being able to stay hydrated so that a, you could survive, but also so that your baby could thrive. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. And often the things that would stay in my stomach were not the healthiest of choices. Like you said, there were like yeah. salty or fatty foods, often very high in carbs, yeah. just not the best choices, but at the time it was what would stay in my body. And so yeah. I was not eating a lot, but what I was eating was not nourishing me at all. And so it was just, it was a tricky situation. Yeah. Was on more medications than I was comfortable with at the time. And yeah, just absolutely miserable. And the thing I found is that as I'm going through this, nobody really, I felt like nobody could relate to me anymore. All of my friends who I had before, I was kind of the first of my friends to have kids and everybody kind of fell by the wayside. I became more isolated. I was in my home a lot, just unable to do anything, but like sit on the floor with my baby while I'm pregnant and just trying to survive at that point. Oh, wow. So just very low, very, very low emotionally, physically, just not in a great place. 
And, and so, did you, did you at this point call it depression? No, I didn't. You know, what's interesting is that you go through it and had like looking in the past, I know now that was definitely depression, but I didn't recognize it at the time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So I had my second baby, a girl this time. I loved being a mom. Being a mom is really, it's something that I love, but at the same time you start, I started to lose myself. I didn't have any friends anymore. I was a stay at home mom. All of a sudden I forgot what sort of things that I enjoyed to do in life. Mm. My whole life was just consumed with taking care of my husband and my two babies. And maybe I can get out for a walk once a day and yeah. see the sights. And it was very, did you just, live in the country or were you in the city? It's kind of a rural area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it wasn't, uh, there wasn't a lot in the area. I could walk to kind of a, like a corner store grocery store. Yeah. Which is what that was like my one outing of the day is that I would go walk the kids down to the store. We'd maybe pick up some, something to cook dinner and come back home. And that was kind of it. And my husband, he was providing for the family. So he was out, he was working late hours. He was trying to get ahead in his career and he's having dinners and lunches with his coworkers. And I am just feeling more and more isolated from him at the Mm -hmm. same time. And absolutely it was depression. I started experiencing panic attacks, which also I didn't identify at the time what they were, which is interesting because I did those, how did those manifest? How did panic attacks, how did they manifest for you? How did they feel? They're very body first. So I feel it as sometimes like heart palpitations or just like shallow breathing. And then my mind starts to pick up and then I start to ruminate on negative thoughts or have, you know, just negative self-talk that I would just repeat in my brain quite a bit. And it would feed, it's like, it feeds the monster and you, it's like a snowball going down a hill. It just kind of builds and builds and builds and becomes just this explosion of anxiety. That's my experience with it. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's, it's very hard. And at that time we did move as well too. We moved to another city further away from our families, um, more Mm. isolated. I, I just had no drive to go out and make friends. It was just also so new and and so sad and so empty. And I felt day to day, like I was just trying to survive yet again, even though I wasn't having the same, you know, nausea and health concerns, I was still, I was just coming from this empty, joyless place where I would tell myself, you know, at the end of the day, when the kids go to bed, I can have my me time and I would do make horrible choices. I would, you know, my relationship with food was not the best. And so it was almost like I can eat now I'm going to eat. And I would eat a lot Mm. at nighttime and I would drink more than I should as well too. And it just became like this habit that I would stay up late, kind of waiting for my husband to come home and I would eat and I would drink. And it, it, my health just rapidly, rapidly declined. It was just a really low moment. <laughs> In that moment, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. There was a really interesting experience where my someone had broken into my car and they had stolen my wallet that I had left in there really stupidly. <laughs> it was at my own house. I left my wallet in my car. Someone stole it. And apparently they sold my license to someone that probably looked like me. And this person had later broke into somebody else's car, stole some checks, wrote some fraudulent checks and tried to cash them at the bank using my ID. So about a year later, I get this summons that I'm being charged with these pretty serious charges where I'm facing some prison time for (laughs) fraud and theft. That's crazy. Okay. Please tell me that this worked out okay. It worked out. Obviously. Yeah. I was looking at many years in prison and I hadn't done anything and I had no idea where this was coming from. It was all of a sudden I was already in this just low, 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 low place. And now I'm like, I'm being handcuffed in the courtroom and I'm in a plea of not guilty and (laughs) I'm arrested. And it was. And you're like, I've done nothing. I've literally just been at home (laughs) on my sofa watching Netflix and drinking wine. Literally, exactly. Oh my exactly. God. But for but someone who is in your that? state, 
But for yeah. someone who was in your state, like with like, you know, feeling so isolated and feeling depressed and you have two young children, like to have something like this, where you're already dealing with depression and anxiety attacks, that must have been a tremendous amount of stress. It was tremendous, tremendous. Yeah, absolutely. And you had to prove you had to prove your innocence. You have to prove your innocence, but the hard thing is when you stay at home all day eating and drinking, it's really hard to prove your innocence that you weren't somewhere, right? So I became kind of my own little private detective, and I found you know your cell phones do keep record of your location, right? And so I was able to find my location records. I was able to come up with all kinds of like receipts from the day that it occurred that were in a different county. Still, they wanted to press charges and I was set for a trial by jury. Right before the trial, they dropped it. Apparently, they ran the fingerprints on the check finally as they were building their case for the trial and they and they dropped it because I wasn't a match. So, but it was, I mean, getting to that point, it was a good six months of not knowing, you know, not being able to see what the future was going to hold for me and then trying to come to terms with the fact that I may have to leave my two babies at home and go to prison for some time for something I didn't commit. And I, there had to, there was this point where I had to, I had to just kind of accept it because the amount of stress that, that it does you know, within my body that was happening, it was too much and I couldn't handle it anymore. I just couldn't. So I had to kind of find that acceptance of the worst case scenario in order mm -hmm. to move forward. And oddly enough, isn't this how, I mean, to me, I call it God, God speaks to you is that as soon as I had that acceptance, that's when the charges were dropped. It's mm -hmm. just amazing how these experiences that we go through, if you embrace them and come out with a deeper learning and a deeper knowledge, there's always something so beautiful that can come out of these dark, dark moments. And I, I, you know, now, you know, many years past that situation, I can look back and say, I am so glad that I went through that. I mean, I would never have chosen it, but at the same time, I'm really, really glad and thankful for just the acceptance that it gave me that I really have no power over tomorrow and that all I really have is today. And that even when we have worries, we can still find little bits of joy and peace within the madness somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to a place where you're like, I have to surrender this. I have to yeah. accept that this is what's happening to me. It may not be fair. And I'm not, you weren't giving up. You weren't like, you were still advocating for yourself. You were still very much fighting for your, like your innocence, but you were like, I'm, I'm accepting that this is happening and I'm surrendering to this situation. And I am willing to look it in the face. I'm look, I'm willing to look the, the darkest uh, scenario, like the darkest, like worst case scenario in the face and accept that, that that may be what's going to happen here. And I'm willing to surrender into this, which is different, you know, than raising a white flag and saying, okay, fine. Just take me off, cart me off to jail. Like, no, that's not what happened. You still advocated for yourself. That's so crazy, but you're right. Like it's when we look back some, like, again, it was such a random thing. You have this theft of your wallet, which then leads down <laughs> this like whole crazy thing where you are literally arrested and taken to court <laughs> um, and charged wrongly for something that you didn't do. Yeah. And then just looking back, like in hindsight, like all the things that it did to help you move through your journey. I know that we are not even like partway through your story and I will want to circle back to this, I'm sure. Yeah. But there's one thing I do want to talk about just really quickly before we move on, which is regarding this idea of self-advocacy. Like when you, like you had been almost like lulled into a state of complacency. Is that fair to say like with things with life and like moving and like just kind of settled into this routine and with your kids. And uh, like you said, you had been isolated and weren't making the best choices for yourself. Did this in any way, was this part of what woke you up? I know there's more to come with your story, but was this part of what woke you up and yeah to like not being a victim and like of, of your life and advocating for yourself? Yeah, this is definitely the, the beginning of my awakening for sure. And I, yeah. 
it's like you can look back and think, oh, I had all of these opportunities before, but maybe I was too hardheaded. And I, and it took this momentous thing for me to finally learn to take my, my, my health and my, my mental, emotional health into my own hands. And yeah, self-advocacy, it's, it's a powerful thing when you finally step up and take responsibility for your situation, even if you're not the person who put yourself there or yeah, like you were wrongly accused, right? You were wrongly accused. Like this happened to you. And yes, you could have totally gone down the like victim mentality. Like, why is this happening to me? Oh my God, this is unfair. And like been in a powerless situation, right. Which is a very low frequency emotion, like to feel powerless to feel like you have no ability to change the outcome or change your circumstances. And what's interesting is that you didn't do that. Like you rose to the occasion. You were like, wait a second. Like you, like you said, you became like this little detective that you were like, no, 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 I'm going to use my, (laughs) like my phone and like all these things to prove. And you advocated for yourself, which is a place of being empowered. Right. So in some ways, like, you know, when people say like, like hindsight is 2020 and you can look back now and see why that happened, like life is not happening to us. Life is always happening for us. So even though it was extremely stressful and it was so shit, like like that is such a, a crappy situation, but like, oh, wow. Did that ever call like summon your courage and like summon that inner warrior to be like, no, like mm-hmm. I am not going to be taken from my babies. Mm-hmm. You are not going to take me down. I did not do this. I am like wrongly accused and I'm going to stand up for myself. So it woke you up in many ways. Absolutely. The warrior mama started emerging and I became, you know, I fought for myself in mm. that situation and moving forward, that became a theme where I would start to fight for myself. I love that. No one else is going to do it. I became that, that warrior for myself in that moment for sure. Absolutely. That was a turning point in my life. I feel like my life kind of began in that moment in in some ways. Like I finally became more authentically me through that situation. Yeah. Cause you kind of got to a point where it was like do or die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. Like it's, it's like those come to Jesus moments where you're like, okay, like no one's coming in to save me here. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you fought for yourself. I love that. Okay. Let's keep going with your, with your story. Okay. So you didn't go to jail. I didn't go to jail. (laughs) I'm so happy. I never went to jail. Well, I was arrested. I did go to jail for a short time and I still want to find my old mugshot. I really want to see it. Oh my God. (laughs) I didn't know what to do. And so I smiled and I really just want to see it. So, (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, So anyone who sees your photo, (laughs) like, like you're such a beautiful woman. I was like, and I know like, you're just, sorry, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, but like, since I've met you in person, I know how tall you are. So like, you're just so damn cute. Like, you're just like, <laughs> like how tall are you? You're five, five, foot, two. five yeah. foot two. And you've got this beautiful smile and these curls and you're just like, so damn beautiful and cute. And just like this little bundle of joy. And so I cannot imagine you <laughs> like one <laughs> shot. Good Lord. I know Um, I need to find that. I really need to find that. (laughs) Oh my. And we just want to make it very clear that you did nothing wrong. You were wrongly accused and you you know, were found innocent and all of that. So yes, charges were dropped with, I forget what they say with uh, prejudice, meaning I cannot be charged again, that it was, and there were court documents documenting that someone stole your identity. And I mean, yeah. Gosh, identity theft is no joke. It is no joke. Who knew the depths that it could go to? <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> when you find that mugshot, you got to share it with me. <laughs> I will. I will absolutely share it with you. <laughs> All right. Okay. So <laughs> you didn't go to jail. And then didn't what happened? Then I had, I got pregnant very, very shortly. I think a month after the charges were dropped, I became pregnant again with my third baby same thing all over again, super, super sick, gestational diabetes. I'm trying at this point, I have this new fire within me to start meeting people to start. I feel like I need to share my story of what had just happened to me because it, I didn't want this to happen to other people. And I wanted other people to have more compassion for 
others who may be in the same situation that I was, because at the time there were people who did not, who thought maybe I had done it and I did lose some friends to be honest. So oh, wow. I, I really felt that it was important for me to share my story moving forward. And so I started attempting to make mom friends and attempting to better my situation that really didn't happen in a big way until after I had the baby, because I had been so sick, but that new warrior that had kind of grown within me, um, was starting to come and how that turned up for me, how that looked, what that looked like were little things. It was, I really enjoy wearing dresses. There's no purpose to it. I don't wear dresses a lot for any other purpose other than they just make me feel really feminine and really pretty. And Mm -hmm. it just, it feels good to me. And so I'm going to get dressed anyway. I might as well wear a pretty dress that I feel good in. That was one mode of self-care that I could do. And for me, it was also, you know, maybe I'll actually put on a little bit of mascara today. I'm not going anywhere, but it felt good to me. And so understanding that these little simple things that I could do to make me feel better had such an impact on my day. It was amazing. The impact that these simple things have on your day, that it would inspire another good choice. So I would start to prioritize sleep. So I would go to sleep at a decent hour again. And then I would wake up early before, you know, before the kids or just with my newborn. And I would have a little bit of space for meditation or just for I'm Christian. So I was reading my Bible whatever it is for you, but that's what it looked like for me is just, you know, maybe taking a shower before bed and then, and having a sleep ritual and then waking up a little bit earlier, changing the viewpoint on what my mom me time looked like was Mm. a huge turning point to me instead of where it was before that I was stuffing my face with food that did not love me, that was hurting me and my body and my mind and drinking alcohol and changing to these little nurturing moments for myself. It did so much for my own self-worth and it it just snowballs again, like in a, in a more positive way. Whereas my depression and my low points were snowballing in, in horrible, horrible, destructive ways. Now things were getting better. And then as I'm making more changes, my husband starts seeing that and he starts coming around to me and we start healing our marriage more. We start going to therapy and we start communicating in a different way and, and telling each other more about how, how we feel in a deeper, deeper way, in an unashamed sort of a way. And we became closer than, than we ever had been before, but it was hard. I have to say it was really, that was such a hard thing to do for me, for both of us, honestly, is to be that open with each other but that was very helpful. We moved again, we moved to a different state and I took this moment as I'm going to be a new person. We moved from Washington, yes, a fresh, Idaho. Start. fresh start. It was a good thing. And it was a beautiful, we moved for my husband's job. We had never even been to Boise, but I moved here. I absolutely love it here in Boise. And I had a more positive look at myself and which leaving, state, which state is this? It's uh, Idaho. Oh, Idaho. Yeah. Idaho is, is lovely. And I had a new view of myself, whereas all of the things where I was living would remind me of all of the past bad decisions that I was making for myself. And it was just a complete refresh and reboot Mm. of myself in that moment. And so good choices continue to happen and very much. So unplanned became pregnant with number four (laughs) (laughs) again. Yeah. And same thing. And you know, gestational diabetes got very complicated this last time. I was very sick. And when you're really sick, I would just allow my body to be controlled, I would say, by the experts. And I was taking a lot of drugs and medication, maybe that I felt maybe wrong about. This is just my experience, but yeah. I remember seeing a dietitian, she clearly had no idea what I was dealing with in terms of nausea and she would, and I'm taking my blood sugars every day, you know, met several times a day and just making sure that everything is good. They have now put me on insulin and she's telling me, but my, my numbers are still kind of high and I'm barely eating any kind of carb content. She's telling me you need to eat more carbs because the baby needs carbs. 
And if we need to, we'll just give you more insulin. And I, it felt so wrong to me. It felt so wrong in every single way. And I would ask my doctor and she would agree with that. And I would act, you know, talk to the specialist and they would all agree. They were all in agreement that I needed to eat more carbs and it didn't matter what the ingredients were. We were just looking at the macronutrients and we were not worried about the, the awful ingredients that I was putting in my body and it felt wrong and it felt wrong for all of my pregnancies, but now I had a new sense of worth and sense of my own mama warrior. And I really, really pushed myself. And I, even though I was super nauseous and this is such a nausea, it's, it's a traumatic nausea. (laughs) I still have dreams about this, the, the feeling of not being able to control your body in that way, in that time during pregnancies for me is so painful and draining. And I I really can't put it into words. I think anybody who goes through chronic situations, like I know you have Mm -hmm. too, you're so helpless. It's just, it's just so traumatic. But anyway, that's where it began with me starting to take control of my health in a new way too and really doing my own research and doing my own trial and error of what foods were healthiest for me and putting the right things in and getting better results coming out, you know, doing any kind of walking that I could at the time, just really doing anything I could, at least I'm trying at this point and starting to do well. I reached the end of the pregnancy and I'm about eight months pregnant and I get, I got COVID at the time. And (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) And uh, I was feeling okay. It was, you know, at the time it was just like a a cold. I was experiencing it like a cold. And then my water broke in the middle of the night on like the second day of when I was sick and it was early for the baby to come, but I went into labor very, very, very fast. Hmm. And when I had him, because I was COVID positive and it was right in the middle of the pandemic. So everybody was so fearful. There was so much fear around this there, you know, they gave me one nurse during this, they would give me, you know, everybody was suited up in these like hazmat suits, hazmat suits around me. I couldn't see anybody's faces or facial features. And as soon as he was born, they did tell me ahead of time that they would need to take him to the NICU because if there was anything wrong with him and he had been exposed to me as COVID positive, it would be a different situation for him and he would have to be isolated. And so I didn't get that moment to bond with my child and, and rapidly after the birth, because that is such a huge thing for your body to go through my health really, really declined. And I developed pneumonia. I was very, very sick, very, very sick and stayed in the hospital for some time. And we flew my mother-in-law in and got her an Airbnb and she took the baby for me. And so there was this period of, you know, two weeks where it goes against every mother's instinct to be away from their baby. And I think I just cried. I just cried for two weeks. I just cried mm-hmm. and I missed my baby and I, I wanted to see him and hold him and be there for him. And I wanted to breastfeed and I wasn't able to do any of those things. And it was just a circum again, it's just a circumstance that you find yourself in sometimes it's never, sometimes it's nobody's fault. Sometimes it's no, not your fault that you get into these situations, but you can, you have two choices. You can become a victim. You can just wallow in it, which everything in me wanted to do, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to cry and I just wanted to do nothing for myself or you can step up. And so it was this, the warrior within me came out again. And I was being told by the doctors to just lay down and to hold still and just, you know, just rest and get better. And to me, in my intuition, in my body, I knew I had to get moving. I needed to clear everything out of my lungs. I started doing like Wim Hof breathing and they told me it was too late for supplements. They were like, don't take vitamin D and don't, you know, don't worry about any of these other things that could be helping you. I went ahead and did it myself and so glad that I did. And then I took my health in my own hands because I don't know where I would be today if I didn't. But I was able to come out of that and with another level of knowing that I can accomplish these amazing things myself and that I don't need permission from anybody to Mm. follow my intuition and to take care of myself in the way that I know is best. And I felt empowered in the fact that I may not have 
a medical degree or anything like that, but I can still research and I can still read and I can still learn anything that I want to learn them. You know, the internet is an amazing place if you're using it for good, for sure. And, and so I was able to pull myself out of that. And it did take a few months of like really, really hard work to really fully recover from that. But, but then that kind of sparked a new journey and a new drive to become a healer for in others' lives to help others to empower them, which I know is something that is so beautiful that you stand for too, is just knowing that you are responsible for your own health, no matter how you get into the situations that you are in, you are the one who, and who can pull yourself up and out of these dark and deep places. And it's in a, it's a, an amazing and beautiful lesson. I think that we get to learn in these moments of how to transform ourselves and our ways of thinking to become the person that we're meant to be and more in alignment with who we really are. And so anyway, that's, that's a little bit of kind of like the backstory that was quite long, but (laughs) no, I love it. I just, everything about what you're saying is, it resonates so much with me and what I like, why I'm here and my purpose and, you know, like, and you know, my own, having gone on my own, well, I'm still on my journey and I'm sure so many women and men, because there's some men who listen to this podcast as well. Um, anyone listening to this podcast, like I'm sure who's been on a journey can relate to you. And you come to this point where it's like, I'm, I have to be my own hero. Like I have to like something, like you said, like something awakens within you And it's like almost this like righteous anger. That's like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like for me, that's how it's felt where I've gotten to these points where like I'll, I can wallow for for sure. And I just want to point out, there's a difference between like wallowing and resigning, like letting, you know, releasing your power and feeling powerless and like, oh, woe is me. I'm going to stay here forever. Like this is hopeless. That's very different than feeling your feelings and allowing them to flow through you and then pulling yourself back up. Cause we have like, we're not about spiritual bypassing here. <laughs> we want to feel everything. And cause it's, you know, emotions are energy in motion. And we want to move that energy through us because when we don't, that's what causes illness, like dis-ease within the body is stagnant emotion, especially low frequency emotions, like powerlessness and shame and guilt and all those things like resentment. But yeah, it's like, something I'm sure everyone, or I'm hoping, you know, most people listening to this can relate that at some point there's just something that's clicks or snaps within you where you're just like, fuck this. <laughs> like yes. I'm done. Like I'm done. Like, and it's, and then it's like the warrior just like, boom, she arrives and she steps up and like, she fights for herself. And I love what you were saying where like your intuition really I'm curious if it was back where things happened with that court case or, or maybe before that, like, it sounds like you were always intuitive. It's just, there were times where it had dampened and then all of a sudden it was like, no, that doesn't feel right. Like your intuition was saying, actually, (laughs) I don't want to do those things that you're suggesting. Thank you very much. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to listen to my body and I don't need your permission to advocate for myself or to do what I feel like is right for me. And um, I love when you said that, like, you don't need permission from anybody and you were able to discern those right things, quote unquote, for you. And you went ahead and you did them. And that's what helped you heal and got you back to your babies. So yeah, no, I love it. I love all of it. So let's shift because I know that burnout and losing yourself, like we had, when we were talking before, we had talked a little bit about that, but also um, you had spoken about, like you had gained a significant amount of weight along this journey too. And then you had like an amazing weight loss story. Not that it's about losing weight, but that you know, from those nights of sitting around drinking and eating. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Right. Yeah. From my, my evenings of drinking and eating, um, (laughs) (laughs) I did, I did, I gained a significant amount of weight and, um, it was, I would say around 60 pounds 
of weight over the years, which I'm a short person. That's quite a bit of weight. Um, and you know, what's interesting is when I started really listening to my body and healing my body, I was never necessarily focused on losing weight, although I wanted to, it was more about just healing my body and just knowing Mm -hmm. that there were things that I could do, um, better for myself. And it was more about putting, um, nourishing food in than it was about diets because I have dieted before. And that was about restriction and it was about taking things away from yourself. And it was almost, it's almost a shameful experience. Yeah. It's like depriving yourself. It's like, I'm, I'm bad. I can't have this, you know, it's the opposite of like focusing on nourishment and being like, actually, that's not good enough for me. Like I, I want, like, I am a queen, (laughs) you know, and I am (laughs) going to eat like a queen. I'm going to nourish myself. I'm an empress, like whatever you want to say, like, you know, like treating yourself like royalty and nourishing yourself, you know, with food that's beautiful and makes you feel alive and, you know, nourishes your body at different points in your cycle. Like Mm -hmm. this is, you know, versus I can't have that. Like that's a a very different mentality, right? Absolutely. I love how you put that. Yes. It's such a difference. And when I shifted, when I changed that shift, it wasn't about dieting. It wasn't about losing weight. It was about, like you say, like, it's not good enough for me. I need, I, my body deserves better because I am, I have all of these goals and beautiful dreams and plans that I, I need to do now. And, Mm -hmm. and I need to nourish it correctly. And that's when the weight started falling off. And so I am down to just about my very, very pre-pregnancy weight at this point, I'm down about 50 pounds. So that's, and that's without trying, that's just with, with taking care of myself. And I think that's the shift that people need to take when they look at their health and healing and I'm, and not just their physical healing, but their mental and emotional and spiritual. It's all the same for me there. Every person has a beacon. I call it a beacon. For me, when I'm not doing right by myself, mentally, emotionally, physically, with what I'm eating, with what I'm doing, if I'm not in alignment, then I start getting, my beacons are depression, anxiety, and panic attacks and weight gain. Those are the things. And they start going off. They start going off. And when you start, when you start listening to those signals, those beacons in your body, like, oh, wait, something I'm doing right now is not in alignment with who I am. And I need to take a deeper look at what I'm doing. Is it the food that I'm eating? Is it the people that I'm hanging out with? Is it the, am I putting too much stress on myself through my work? Is it, am I feeling mom guilt for not being there for my children enough? What is it that's causing these beacons to go off? Mm -hmm. It's never just depression. It's never just what, what is driving these things? Everybody has your beacon. I think it's important that everybody knows what their beacon is. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I call it a barometer. Yeah. It's like something that's going off that's saying, Hey, wrong way, wrong way. Course, correct. (laughs) Course, correct. So speaking of mothering, how is this all impacting your mothering? Like I, as a mom, like I'm also a mom and I'm on my, you know, my own healing journey and to be on a healing journey and go through all of these things that we go through. And to do so mindfully and to try to nourish ourselves and care for ourselves and at the same time feel hard things and move through difficult emotions and, you know, it takes a toll on your marriage or like, you know, like relationships and then trying to show up and be a mom and love and nourish your child. Like I know at moments of my life where I've gone through, like I've gone some, gone through some really hard things during the time that I've been a mom and there have been moments where I worry about how it's impacting my kid. You know, like there are days where I am just so overcome by my own grief or, you know, my whatever painful emotion is that I'm going through. I'm just thinking about things that I've gone through. And there have been moments where I'm like, I can barely like get dressed today and like feed myself. (laughs) And so to have to, you know, then mother in those moments I find very challenging. And I remember I used to have this, like, cause I'm thinking specifically about like when Odin was two, I went through a really intense health scare and I was loaded into the back of an ambulance while he watched. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, my kid is 
what is he thinking? Like he can't even understand like what's happening. He just sees the ambulance showing up and loading mommy into an ambulance. And this is probably scaring the hell out of him. And then also like, it was like, it was the breakup of a business with a business partner and it was very stressful and it was prolonged. And there was, it was just a really hard time. And he was two going on three and, you know, mommy cries a lot. And like, there's like all this, like, you know, and I was really stressed out. And I remember I felt so, I felt really helpless at the time because like, in some ways I felt like I just needed to like get, get my shit together and like, just put on a happy face and, you know, almost like fake it for my kid, but he's smart and children know, and they feel. (laughs) And then I just reminded myself, like, you know what? He chose me as his mom. I believe that we choose our parents. I believe that we choose you know, our curriculum before we incarnate. And I'm like, and he knew his soul knew that I was going to be going through this at this time. And I can just relax and know that I can just like be with him and I can love him in and be authentic about where I'm at. And on some level, he understands. That doesn't mean that I make him do my emotional work. That doesn't mean that I'm abusive or do anything, you know, like that. But I can sit and it's okay for my kid to see me be sad. And it's okay for my kid to see me cry because that's life. And he can also see me rise. And so as much as it's important for him to see mommy on her mountaintops, it's important for her to, for him to see me go through my valleys because whether or not he's conscious of it, what I'm modeling is this, it is life is I'm modeling the hero's journey. And on some level, I think that normalizes it. So then there's not this like stigma of like, oh, sadness is bad and, you know, pain is bad and we have to run away from it. It's like, oh, wait, like on a subconscious level, he's been programmed almost to like recognize that and, and whether or not he's aware of it, understand that that's life and that's normal. And we move through these ups and downs. I don't know. I'm curious what you think. And because, you know, because you had four young kids while you were going through this. Right. And I love what you said. You don't, you can, you have choices. You can hide it right from your children. Um, and there, and there are some things that are definitely not appropriate for children to know. Yeah. It's not, but I mean, everything needs to be age appropriate, but you know, your kids are going to go through trials and hardships in life. And it's our job to kind of equip them to be able to handle these things that they're going to encounter in life. And so I would have days, yeah, I would have days where I was down and I was crying and my kids would see me cry. But what was most important was that they would see me get back up again and make better choices um, moving forward. And that was, for me, that's something that I don't hide from my children because they're going to go through the same thing. Yeah. And I want them to know what to do. And then I want them to know that it's horrible, but it can be beautiful at the same time. And when they can have the, the, the framework of going through it with you in their own way, you know, in a, in a smaller way of witnessing something that's age appropriate, but, but yeah, I think you're, you're just preparing them for a better life and to deny that, that hardships exist is not doing them any favors mm-hmm. and to take it out on them is not doing them any favors, of course. But yeah, I, I think that life is, I think we shrink away from pain and discomfort so much. But I think I wish that I, that more people understood that when we embrace pain and when we embrace, embrace discomfort, that's where a lot of the magic happens. That's where a lot of the beauty of life occurs. And so if you can model that to your children um, and give them those values growing up, I think that's setting them up for, for a better life moving forward. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, you're basically showing them like, this is emotional health and well-being. (laughs) Like you know, this is, this is what we do with sadness. We feel it. We cry. Yeah. You know, like this is what we do with anger. We express it in a healthy way. This is what mommy does when she's angry. That's healthy and not abusive. Right. Like this is, you know, like, (laughs) like Odin knows like, okay. And I will say to him, like, I'm not upset with you. This is why I'm upset. And I just need to go like out on the deck and scream into the pillow (laughs) on my sofa on the deck or like, you know what I mean? Like, and so, for him to know, like, it's okay to be angry. And this is how I, 
this is how I express it in a healthy way, or it's okay to be sad and it's okay for me to cry and it's okay for me to be held. And yeah, I think it's so important to model that for our kids, you know, because there are, I'm sure like there are people listening where it wasn't okay to be angry in their household or, you know, like it wasn't okay to express sadness uh, or whatever, like, or maybe it just wasn't okay to be emotional. You know, like I definitely had experiences growing up where I didn't, like, I felt like my emotions were just too big and it wasn't okay for me to be emotional because yeah. it made others around me uncomfortable. Right. And so I just needed to bottle it up versus like, you know, just letting them flow freely and knowing and having the confidence of like, this is how I move through sadness, or this is how I move through my anger or whatever it may be. Another thing I wanted to say about that was like, you know, just with mothering in general is or parenting, I should say in general, is like releasing this need to be perfect. And like, I, I remember I used to, and I still do at times, like I worry I'm, I'm screwing up my child. <laughs> like, you know, we just, like, we all worry, like we just want to do a good job. And someone yeah. said to me once, they're like, the fact that you even worry about that means that you're doing a good job. Like the fact right. that you worry about it, but yeah, like just releasing this need to be perfect around our kids and showing our humanity to them. And with that comes the highs and the lows and showing them life and hopefully showing them resiliency and showing them authenticity. Yeah. And showing them that it's safe for them to come to you when they experience these things too. For me, I found that it's, it's good to like, let them come be a part of the process of the, the good part of the process. So if, so like with my, one of my daughters, if she comes in and she sees mom is upset or sad and I'm crying just as an example, I'll invite her to, it's hard to get alone time when you have four kids, but how are mm-hmm. you going to take care of yourself? Right. I'll start to invite them into my healing process as well. So, okay. What does mom need to mom needs to relax and work on relaxing her nervous system. And so we're going to do some deep breathing together and we will hold hands and we'll look at each other and we'll deep breathe together. And this teaches her how to regulate her emotions as well. And it helps me to regulate my emotions. And it just, Mm -hmm. it's a really healing experience. And she knows what to do when she's feeling that way. It's a beautiful thing to just include them. We don't need to be, I think, afraid of our children or afraid to show our children things that we go through. We just, just bring them along where it's appropriate, of course. Yeah, exactly. So you had mentioned before when we were chatting about burnout, because I'm like, obviously you had gone through, you'd gone through a lot of ups and downs. And so what are some of the things, well, actually, I'm just going to ask you to speak to the topic of burnout. You know, how did you experience it and what have you done to help yourself heal it? And how do you prevent that now? Burnout is such a common thing for moms because we feel like we need to be so selfless and take care of others. And then we find no time to take care of ourselves. And as we neglect ourselves, some of those, those beacons come go start going off. Right. And so I know for me, burnout, you can start to everybody, it looks different, right? I mean, some people just start to disconnect and some people start to get angry or resentful. I think I've experienced all those emotions at some point. Um, I get, I get really irritable. Mm -hmm. Like, like when I want to lock myself in my, I call it my cave, like in my office slash, like, it's like my space and not talk to people. That's when I know I've hit like a level where I'm like, okay, I need to like, seriously (laughs) uh, decompress because I know I'm getting to a point where I'm giving too much. Like that's a, a beacon quote unquote, that would like go off for me where it's like, too much, too many people, too many people, everyone go away. That's when I know like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, that's like a warning sign. Yeah. Yeah. You're overstimulated. Things need to end. And it's, it's now, so you can wait until it's like an emergent situation and mom starts and you'll start snapping. This is how it shows up for me. I'll start snapping at everybody. Just leave me alone. Or yeah. I'm just trying to help everybody out or things. I start snapping at everybody starting getting, but if we can catch it before that, that's ideal. Right. But you just have to pay attention to your own patterns and what's going on on. Making time for yourself is not selfish in any way as a mom. And I know that I believe that for a very, very long time that, that taking a, you know, a five minute break to take care of myself, what I felt it was selfish. And I felt like I was not doing my kids any services. So instead I would 
continue snapping at my children and, and not doing them any favors in that way. So telling yourself that it is okay to take the five minutes in your cave. For me, it's my closet. Like everybody has that little yeah. spot in their the bathroom, the bathroom. The bathroom doesn't count. No, but wait, go, <laughs> no, they, going to the bathroom doesn't count. That's not no. your five minute break. No. <laughs> No, they'll come right in too. There's yeah. no, there's no peace in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, you have to have, you have to have your retreat space. Every mom yeah. has to have this. And if you, if you can't have healthy boundaries of like keeping your own mental health stable, then you're not, you're not showing, uh, you're not setting a really good example for your children on how they should be treating themselves too. So there's nothing wrong with knowing your limits and knowing when it's time to take a break. And as a mom, you don't just breaks. Don't just show up. They don't like, no one's like, okay, let's leave mom alone for 20 minutes so she can gather her sanity again. No, you have to take the ownership of finding and making that time for in space for yourself, letting the others know what's happening so that they understand that you're not to be disturbed and they will see the difference in you as you come back. And they'll gladly give you the space that you need. It's kind of a, it's a teaching process for others, for sure. And holding your boundaries with your kids too. You do need to have boundaries with your kids mm-hmm. um, for your, for your own mental health. You do need to have the space to process, to go through emotions, to just stare off into space, whatever you need. Yeah. So you have to make that time for yourself. That yeah. doesn't just come to you. You have to like, oh, the babies are napping. I'm going to take a bath and the toddler's going to play on the floor next to the bath. And I'm just going to close my eyes and breathe. And that's, that's a a moment of serenity for me. And everybody has different ways of finding those little moments in their life, but you have to look for it. Yeah. And you have to create it, (laughs) look for it, create it wherever you can like fit it in. And again, assert those boundaries around it. Right. And again, it's, it's not saying like, I make it very clear to my family, like this isn't because I don't like you (laughs) or anything. Like it's because I love you. And also because everyone needs some alone time and everyone needs to refill their cup. And this is how I refill my cup. And I love it because I can see that behavior now like I've modeled that. And my husband is also model. He models that to our child. And I can see now that he has these little things like these little habits where, and I created in his room. I think this is actually something that's really important is to create spaces where our kids can go and like decompress. And so he has his little favorite spaces, like in the, in our home where he puts on, he calls them his comfy clothes. Um, so he has like, you know, sweatshirt and sweatpants that he puts on and that are really soft and fuzzy on the inside. And he goes to his comfy, like his little places where he can just sit and unwind. And so I, he has learned that behavior from us. Cause that's what we do is I put on my comfy clothes and I go yeah. to my place and I unwind. Yeah. So there's so much to it. Isn't there with parenting? <laughs> there is, but you don't need to be perfect. Yeah, exactly. You want perfection hat off. It's fine. It's fine. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I've enjoyed our conversation so much, Cassandra. I feel like there's so much more that we could talk about. So please come back again. But I love this conversation around, you know, conscious mothering and, you know, all the things of not losing ourselves or losing yourself and finding yourself again during the process and burnout and all of the things. But above all, I just... I love your story and how it communicates so strongly this idea of self-advocacy and taking responsibility for yourself and rising above the challenges and that life is not happening to us, but happening for us and always giving us an opportunity to heal, always giving us an opportunity to step into our power. And I think your story so beautifully emulates that. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. So good. So where can people find you if they want to connect with you and, and uh, see what you're putting out in the world? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at heal with Cassandra, or um, if you're interested in learning more about how to work with me, I work with people, functional diagnostic nutrition. So I work with people on their nutrition health and all of the things, mindset and motherhood related. So you can see my website at CassandraStrunk.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I will put the links for your Instagram and your website below in the show notes. Thank you so much. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nest Podcast. If you're a woman who's interested in reclaiming your health and well-being holistically, then I'd love to work with you. My passion is helping women reconnect with their intuition and sacred feminine blueprint so they can heal their bodies. If any of the topics from this episode resonated with you and you'd like to know more about how you can work with me, then check out my programs via my website link below in the show notes or pop over to my Instagram to say hello. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.